Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. Delighted you could join us. On this episode, we're going to be visiting with Regis Progre, who, of course, is a former 140-pound uh, champion and uh, currently a top 140-pound contender in the world of boxing. Uh, and he's going to be fighting on April 17th on a Triller Fight Club debut card, uh, which will be a pay-per-view from the Mercedes-Benz uh, stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll be working on that uh, broadcast, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, our friend Snoop Dogg is a co-creator of that series, uh, along with the Triller Company, and uh, it should be an entertaining evening of boxing, to be sure, and Regis Program will be fighting Ivan Redcatch on that card. And by the way, to get any information on that card, I urge you to go to trillerfightclub.com um, that's trillerfightclub.com, and you can find out how to order it and uh, see some videos. Uh, you can also check out the press conference that uh, announced that event, which I hosted. Uh, we had some fun interaction with all the, all the different uh, participants, that's for sure. And we're going to be chatting with Regis a little bit later. Now I'm going to bring in another colorful gentleman who's got a nice tan from his trip to Cancun, my good friend Trip Mitchell. Hi, Trip. Hey, Al, thanks for letting me use the corporate jet to fly down there. It was very appreciated by our whole group. Uh, you're a very nice guy. It's it's always available to you. And, uh, I, and I know you left it impeccably clean for everybody <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> we did. And, and I'm excited you're uh, going to be calling this fight from the Mercedes Center. Uh, earlier in my career, I did a show from the Hugo Center. Is that a bad sign? Ah. That might be a second-rate building. Yeah, Hugo, not quite as good as the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> well, we have got some great questions, and why don't we get to them? All righty. And uh, from the Philly injury lawyer, I wonder what profession ah, he's interesting. in. <laughs> is Boots Ennis as good as Philly knows he is? Uh, is he on the way to being the great, next great Philly champ? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. Of course, we are going to have uh, Boots Ennis, Jerron Ennis, on taking on Sergei Lipinets on April 10th on Showtime. Uh, and it, it's going to be an, a very interesting fight. It's certainly a step up for Jerron Ennis. Now, Ennis is a all-out action fighter. He has got some of the best hand speed in the sport of boxing. He is undefeated and has never even been tested and his combinations are dazzling. He is one of those fighters that you walk away and say, oh my, is he going to be able to do this against the upper echelon in the welterweight division? And he says yes, so do his, uh, his people. And by the way, uh, Boots Ennis is going to join us as a guest after this April 10th fight. So we'll get to talk to him after what he hopes will be uh, a victory. Now, the man he's facing, Sergey Lipinets, was a top 140-pounder, fought Mikey Garcia for a championship, uh, and was uh, exceptional uh, in that fight, even in losing. Uh, he's coming in off a draw in his last fight, which was also on Showtime. And Sergey is taking this fight to show that he is 
uh, one of the top people in the welterweight division, and they are willing to take on his challenge of Butsenis. Not everyone has been willing to do that. Lipinets is uh, trained by Joe Goosen, uh, one of the top trainers in the sport of boxing, and he is a fighter uh, who brings a lot to the dance with Butsenis. So uh, I'll be able to call that fight, as I said, on April 10th. It's on Showtime Championship Boxing on uh, Showtime, and I hope all of you will be tuning in. That should be a lot of fun. And it's funny how uh, our gentleman who wrote the question talks about the great line of Philly fighters. And there have been a ton, and that would be a fun question in future episodes to have you rate maybe the top five of all time. Yeah, he mentions, been some, he mentions yeah. a couple like uh, J. Rock Williams, who we had as a guest on this show. And uh, there are many. And going all the way back to Joe Frazier, of course, and before that. Uh, so, yeah, that would be a good that would be a good show to do, actually, to zero in on all those Philadelphia champions like Bernard Hopkins and the like. She's uh, pretty amazing. Great. And then we've got another really kind of a fun question, and this comes from Kenneth Lundgren. And he asks, you have a lot of perks in your job. What are your two favorite parts of what you do, the two things that really stand out? And I think this is a great question. Uh, yeah, that is an interesting question. You know, it, listen, I'm privileged to be able to do what I'm doing. Uh, a producer many years ago said that television is, uh, uh, it's like all of us making our living playing with toys, you know? I mean, we get to do things that are, are hard work. They're not easy, but they're fun. Uh, and for me, one of the perks, and I know this is going to maybe sound like, um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, playing up to the, the, the men I cover. But one of the perks is simply being able to talk to all these great boxers. You know, we don't you wouldn't otherwise have this access to them. And I've said this, you know, many, many times before. Boxers are by far for me and I've covered, uh, you know, athletes in all major sports during my career especially when I was at ESPN working for, for SportsCenter and doing coverage. Boxers are by, fun, by far the most fun guys to cover and the most, the easiest to interview and the most cooperative. And I just, it, the biggest perk for me is being able to know people like we've interviewed on this show, Lennox Lewis and Larry Holmes and Andre Ward, and I could go on and on. Uh, boxers are special people. And uh, being able to know them, uh, I think, is a great thing. And the, set, the, the other perk, I'm going to tell you the other perk. The other perk is I've had some of the greatest dinners before fights, <laughs> a night or two before fights, with some of the most fascinating people that I could ever imagine having dinner with. And, and I, that, when you're on the road, Barry Tompkins says this all the time. He said he's doing this just so he can go to the dinners beforehand. <laughs> so that, that's my other perk that I love the most. Well, you know, it's interesting. And you've told this story before. When you did the Olympics down, uh, I believe, in Barcelona for NBC, you got to know two of the, the greatest Utahns where I abide. Oh, yeah. Are, John Stockton and Carl Malone, because you're, as a broadcaster, you move in those circles. So it's probably fun to meet celebrities and to other great athletes outside boxing. It is. You know, in Barcelona, we had our, we did the boxing, uh, the venue was right next to where the Dream Team was playing in 1992. And they would all come over to see the boxing. And yes, that was where I got to really know uh, Carl Malone and John Stockton. And we had, again, they came over. It's also a part of a dinner thing because they had dinner at the, at our, you know, venue, they'd, they'd eat with us. And, and uh, 
Uh, and it was just, you know, wonderful to get to know them. And you're right. That's the other perk, I guess. That would be a third perk that I, I probably didn't mention. And that is getting meet people that you don't otherwise, you wouldn't otherwise meet. I mean, I told the story of uh, when uh, on this show when I did um, uh, the, you know, a Showtime uh, uh, movie. Was it the? Yeah, the movie. And um, I was around, and Elaine Stritch, a great Broadway actress, was in the movie and she didn't know who the heck I was. She wasn't a boxing fan, but I, I was there and she said, so I hear you're a famous boxing announcer. I said, yes. And I'm in awe, right, of meeting Elaine Stritch. And she said, ah, that's interesting. So we started a chat. And of course, I used the opportunity to ask her a thousand things about theater. And I would have probably never met Elaine Stritch if not for, you know, that. So it's intriguing to say the least. Um, now, our guest on this show is a gentleman who, as I mentioned, is fighting on April 17th. Uh, he is uh, a terrific fighter and a great guy uh, and who uh, had the 140-pound championship, lost it in a very close decision to Josh Taylor, one that could have easily gone to him. And he is fighting on April 17th against Ivan Redcatch on the Triller Fight Club card. And here's our chat with Regis Progray. So, Regis, you are back in action uh, only six months after your last fight, uh, your win over Juan Geraldez, when you are, I believe, the first one to stop him. I was happy to announce that fight, as I will your, uh, your fight on April 17th. And in the COVID age, a six-month layoff is not really that large, is it? Not long at all. Actually, five months. So it's not oh, it's yeah. five. Well, there you go. Actually, five months. You know. So it's um, yeah. It's 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 a good thing, man. I'm staying busy, and I'm 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 glad. I'm glad I'm staying busy. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, now your fight on April seventeenth, uh, with uh, Ivan Redcatch, um, is an interesting fight on a couple different levels. One, it's two left-handers, which we don't always see. Um, right. and uh, and it's a fight in which I know you. I want to further market yourself, even though you're a former world champion and you're at the top of your game at 140. I know this fight is a lot about reaching out to people to remind them that, hey, I'm here and I should be getting a world title shot. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, for me, my whole thing is like been marketing. You know, that's been my whole, I think, downfall. Not saying downfall, but yeah. it's like always, you know, I was, you know, I was a world champion already. You know, I was a world, that's the highest you can go. You know, I was right. a world undefeated world champion, you know, with some of the highest knockout percentage. And, you know, most people didn't even know who I was, you know? So yeah. like now, this, you know, I need, I need to get more exposure because I know, I know what I am. Um, I'm, I'm very low, um, low reward, high risk. You know, that's why a lot of people don't want to fight me. You know, like the big names, the Braun or the, the, you know, those type of names, they wouldn't want to fight me, you know? And, I wouldn't, I, of course, I would have never, ever got a shot um, if it wasn't for the tournament, basically. You know, I would never right. got that, wasn't for that tournament. So, you know, that's why I entered into the tournament because I know, I know what I am. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm too high up a risk with little rewards. So for this fight, this fight is the perfect thing for me, you know, because it's exposure. And this is something, you know, this is something that I, that I, um, I definitely need. I need more exposure. Now, will this fight be at 140? Is that the way? It's at 140. 142 so yeah okay, basically. So it pr pretty much close to 140 but yeah 140. um and uh you're 
you were in that World Series tournament of boxing that you're talking about, and that's how you won your title. And then you had that very, very close split decision loss to uh, Josh Taylor, which could have gone either way. Um, and now you find yourself fighting on a very unique card on April 17th. Um, it's really intriguing. It's a different kind of event. But as you say, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs seeing you that because the boxing purists and all the folks involved in the sport know how good you are, but maybe not everybody else. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying, man. It's a, it's a whole different world out there right now. That This whole this whole YouTube thing and this whole thriller thing, is it's a whole different world like that. And it's a, it's a different market. You know, uh, some somebody the other day asked me about, they were saying, um, huh. They was they were saying that if what, what, is it better to have because the old they were saying the old school boxing fan is like the older white guy and the, these YouTubers are like the the young kids yeah. and it's but it's not it's not switching it it's adding you know for right, me it's right not, you know you're not switching the 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 um already the boxing fans you you right. you add you can add to the kids and I was at the so I was at the fight with um his brother Logan Paul and KSI in, in Staples Center in LA. And man, it was kids running around. I mean, 10, 11, <laughs> 13, 14, 15 year old kids, not with their parents, they running around. And then you have, you know, then you have the, the real boxing fan, like the people that really want to see the boxing. So you you have a combined audience. And I mean, I think this is, you know, I think this, is, I mean, it's a good idea. Yeah, and it takes, as you point out, it takes nothing away from boxing. It doesn't, it doesn't right. diminish uh, anything and um, gives another platform. You are at, with all the talk of the of the the new things going on. People think of you in some senses, quote unquote, old school for all the proper reasons, not for any of the bad reasons. And one of the things about that is one of the things that leads people to say that about you is the level of opposition that you fight. Now, your last seven opponents have a combined record of 162 wins and four losses which is really pretty extraordinary. Fighting that tough competition, does that make you a better fighter? Is that maybe part of the reason why you feel like you are, you know, uh, of, of, course, of course, man. Listen, my, my idols was, you know, like I, I'm a historian, you know, I know, of course, yes, you know, I'm, you I know all about, I actually have your book in my bookshelf right now, ah. you know, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a historian, man. I know about the sport, and I go all the way to you know like the Joe Gans and Joe Lewis and wow. uh, Harry Armstrong and you know uh, Joe you know uh, all those people, man. I I can name, of course, I can just keep naming, but we're not on there right now. So yeah, I those, got you. they just fought and they fought, they fought good opposition, and that's what I want to do. I want to fight good opposition right now. These days, these days, it's it's more. It, you know, it irks my nerve because now it's more of a business thing. It's more of a popularity contest, you know, than who is a good fighter, who is the better fighter, but it's a popularity contest. You know, you have a lot of, you have a lot of guys out there, they, they haven't really done anything, but they're really popular. And, you know, you can't tell, you can't tell these new fans how good they are because they're so popular. You know, it's a popularity contest. So for me, with this platform, I think I will get both. I will get the popular vote and from the you know from the real box of people they know you know I'll you know for me I'll fight anybody and and you know I'm not I don't just say that like a lot of people say oh, I'll fight anybody but then when you say a name they probably you know they hide and stuff like that with me I say I'll fight anybody I, I would I would really fight you know anybody in my weight class. Well you've demonstrated that that you are are fighting and are happy to fight the best uh at 140 pounds now and um one of the names that you know keeps recurring though it appears he isn't that 
keen on fighting you was the possibility of you fighting Adrian Broner, who, of course, has yet to get down to 140 in recent times. In his last fight uh, that I announced, he was at 146, I believe. But that's maybe an example of what you're talking about. Uh, Adrian Broner is well known, certainly, even though in recent years his one and loss record hasn't been dramatically good. Um, is there still a good possibility that you may fight Adrian Broner? I, I mean, I want to, you know, to be honest, I want to. I think that's a huge name. That's on my resume. And man, I think it's a I think I blow Adrian Broner out the water. I'm not gonna lie. I think I will blow him all the way out the water. I'm talking about if, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna even say that I'll knock him out. I don't know if I'll knock him out or nothing like that, but because he is tough, he's never been knocked out. He fought yeah, back. Hard to knock and, out. Never, knockout you know but I definitely think I'll I mean beat him every round you know beat him definitely beat him every round and you know his last fight definitely didn't look too good to me um that dude he fought man that dude won't last five minutes in the ring with me five I'm talking about five minutes he won't last in the ring. <laughs> so, so it's like I definitely do still want that you know I still want that name because like I said he has the name he has the name recognition you know he and, and who else you know for me I, I, I look up to Adrian Broner a little bit as far as on the popularity side because who else can do that? Who else in the world right now right. can lose all those fights and still have this big mm. name, still could demand this big money? You know, nobody else can do that except him right now. He's the only one that can really do that. Usually in boxing, you know, you lose all those fights. Like, you, you're, you're gone. You're out the window. But he still can demand all that money. You I definitely you definitely got to respect him for that, you know? So for me... Um, yeah, man, I still, that still is a name that, you know, I want, you know, I definitely want that, um, one name one day, but I will have to, I feel like I will have to build my profile up more and this right here is a perfect opportunity to do it. Yeah. And, um, and of course I'm, I'm assuming also now there's talk of Josh Taylor fighting Jose Ramirez and they would unify the title. I would assume you would really be keen on fighting the winner of that uh, contest, if in fact they do fight each other, it would be a rematch with Taylor, which was a terrific fight, and again could have gone either way. Um, and uh, so, whoever would win that, I would think you would want to get fight them for the championship. Yeah, of course, of course, man. But you, know, I mean, you know how boxing is. You know, with yeah. the whole business side of things, you know they, you know they call it on the other side of the street. They were top rank, you know. So of course, right. so honestly, man, I don't, I don't, I don't call for the Josh Taylor. I want the Josh Taylor rematch, of course, whenever I can get it. But I just don't call for it because I know it's yeah. a waste of breath. You know, I know most likely it won't happen. Josh Taylor doesn't want to come anywhere close to me. I know that. You know, we. I, I know that. You know, if I if I was him, I wouldn't come nowhere close to me. You know, because it was. You know, it's it's disputed. You know, I, it could have went my way. It could have went his way. I'm. I think that if if we was in here, if we was in this country, I definitely would have got the decision. You know, and it was it was a real close fight. So yeah. right now, I think that he's gonna go and fight Ramirez, and then after that, maybe move up and fight Crawford. Uh, whoever wins, probably I think that'll be the plan to move up and fight Terrence Crawford. So which um, would leave a which would leave a world title open for you to go after. Basically, yeah. Now that's what I'm saying. In boxing, you just don't, you never know what the how the landscape is gonna play out. You know, I do want to be a champion again at 140, and you know, if if it happens like that, then it'll happen like that. But you know, we'll see. I just I, I can't tell, man. I never thought I'd be fighting Ivan Raycatch. It's crazy. I never thought I'd be fighting him. He actually like kind of yeah. a friend of mine, and now we got to fight. So yeah, you know, that's true. You know him, and of course he's gone up a couple weight classes, and he's a very tough nosed guy. You know he he fought uh, Danny Garcia in his last fight and went the distance with him, uh, and and in a way uh, it'd be an interesting comparison to see if you can stop him in this fight. 
Right, exactly, exactly. That's why, then that's why I think that you know most of the boxing fans they're gonna be looking for. They're gonna be looking for me to you know make a statement. And that's what I plan on doing. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not the great Ali. You know, so I can't predict which round or nothing like that. But you know right. what I want to do is definitely I want to go out there and make a you know make a statement, make a huge statement. You know, like you know just and this is the perfect. I think this is the perfect card for that mm-hmm. to make a statement. Yeah, no, no question about that. Now you mentioned uh, that you're you love the history of boxing and of course uh, a few days ago no not uh, recently a few weeks ago uh, Marvin Hagler died um I a good friend of mine and somebody whose fights I and many of his fights I announced and I know you have a big uh, uh huge amount of respect and admiration for Marvin uh and and loved his career right of course man Marvin Hagler's the man man I mean Marvin Hagler was somebody that, like, you know, he's your favorite fighter, favorite fighter. You know, like, all yeah, these right. people, you know, you look at, like, Holyfield and them, and he was like, who is my favorite fighter? Marvin Hagler is my favorite fighter. You know, like, that's Marvin Hagler. If you if you just a boxing fan, you just, you have to respect Hagler, man, because he, he just got it out the mud the hard way, and he, he had that, that chip on his shoulder, you know. And, of course, me, I'm a Southpaw, you know, so, of course, I have right. to love you know, I have, I studied Hagler for years and years and years, man. I just, you know, I mean, you just got the, I got the, I, I got to meet him. You know, that was one of my goals is to meet, you know, to meet these legends. And, you know, that's somebody that I met, you know, of course. So I'm, I'm definitely happy that I got to meet, you know, Hagler. Yeah. Great, great man. And a great uh, boxer for sure. And a big uh, loss for boxing and for the world. So on April 17th, you're in there against Ivan Redcatch in a very unique event. When you're there, here's my question to you. Now, are you the music part of the show? Uh, it's kind of fascinating. And, of course, we saw glimpses of this with uh, Tyson Holyfield. And Triller is, it did a very good job of merging boxing and music. Does that seem like a kind of a fun idea to you? Definitely fun. It's definitely a fun idea, man. Listen, I have, so I have a street team in New Orleans, right? In yeah. like a stalking team in New Orleans. So my fight, I fought in July over there on, you know, on ESPN for the top rank thing. And they want to do the same thing. Years, This is like two years ago, two or three yeah. years ago. They want the same thing. But the, you know, of course, you know, top rank and the Louisiana commission, they shut it all down. They're like, man, uh-huh. we need to do this. And now Triller's doing it, you know? And, and it's like, I think it's a good idea because it's a it's an event now. It's not just boxing. It's a it's a real it's an event now. You know you don't have that in boxing. You don't have events in boxing unless it's Pacquiao, Canelo, Floyd. Mm-hmm. So you have those type of fighters. You know Andy Joshua. You know when those type of fighters they fight. That's that's when that's a, it's an event. But you know most of the boxing you know people just don't care about. You know unless you know unless they're like hardcore fans. But now when you put in the music and you put all this different entertainment in it. You have a whole event, and I mean, I honestly, I love the idea about it. It's fun, and gosh knows they're going to have the, you know, Justin Bieber's going to be there, Snoop Dogg with uh, uh, Ice Cube and uh, and a new group called uh, Westmore, a super group of hip-hop uh, performers. So it's going to be top-notch, and uh, and they that group knows how to put on uh, that kind of entertainment and merging it with the boxing. So it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. Well, I'm looking forward to calling your fight with, uh, Ivan Redcatch and, um, I wish you the best of luck, Regis. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. So that was uh, my chat with Regis Progray, who, as you can see, is a really delightful guy. And, uh, and, and 
he kind of relishes the moment of fighting on his Triller card because he, as he explained, he sees the advantage of this wider audience that he may not have reached as a boxer. That's not just a hardcore boxing fan uh, and how that may help him uh, in terms of uh, kind of pushing his uh, agenda to be a, a world champion and get a world title fight. So we'll see how that plays out for him. Uh, I know we've got some other folks that have questions, huh? So Peter D. wrote in, hi, Mr. Bernstein. By the way, that's very nice, classy. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Nobody calls been... me that. Okay. <laughs> have you ever been pulled up by fighters over things you've said in commentary? Uh, have they been unhappy with you? <laughs> ah. Well, let's see. Uh, has there ever been a fighter? Oh, yeah, yeah, that one guy from Cincinnati <laughs> didn't like me, right? <laughs> <laughs> My friend Adrian Broner. All right, we'll we'll just skip past Adrian Broner because we've dealt with that plenty. Uh, uh, beyond him, and he counts for five, I think. You know, <laughs> in all the years that I've been doing this, um, I'm going to say there have been only a couple of instances where boxers really took serious issue with uh, commentary or were really distressed with me. Uh, for some reason, many years ago, Bruce Seldon, who was a heavyweight who fought for the heavyweight title uh, at one point, was he was on our uh, ESPN top rank cards a lot from Atlantic City. And he just apparently didn't like the way I was commenting on his fights. And we were in one of the fighter meetings and he expressed himself quite candidly about it. And I wasn't that far into my career. I was only about a year and a half in. And I I, it really shook me a little bit because I thought, oh, my, am I really doing that great a disservice to him? And I, I look back on video because I, I didn't want to take it lightly. And, you know, I I said, well, you know, I thought I was OK, but uh, but he obviously didn't perceive it that way. Any other fighter that, that wasn't so keen on my commentary, uh, a former 168 pound uh, fighter, Jeff Lacey, uh, who was a champion and a terrific offensive fighter, but I commented a couple times as he was defending his title that I thought while he was great offensively, there might be some defensive liabilities that might hurt him down the road. Uh, I thought I was pretty gentle in making those comments, but he didn't. And uh, uh, he was distressed at a couple of our fighter meetings with me. I don't know if I was his favorite. Uh, Unfortunately for him, those defensive liabilities did come back to haunt him later in his career, especially against Joe Calzaghe. But uh, those are the, really the only two incidents, other than Broner going off on that press conference, that I can think of that uh, fighters that were truly, truly distressed. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody didn't like what I said about him or, or, or somebody was uh, annoyed. Whether and, so, and I did have one fight manager that was, was distressed with me uh, one time, but but in general, uh, not really very much of it. Well, and you you are a very positive person, but some of your cohorts in the business have decided that by going negative, they get more publicity and could help their career. Yeah. We won't you name know, names. Yeah, no, you're right. And also part of it is, I think the reason that is, and that's why I specify, it's not to say that somebody probably didn't disagree with me and think I was wrong in the commentary I made about them. But because my commentary about them is never personal, it's, you know, I, I would never uh, attack them personally. Uh, and because the way I present it is not as harsh as some, uh, I don't think they're, you know, but you're right. Some have, there are many commentators who uh, go more negative because they feel like it'll get them more attention. 
Yeah, and some of those commentators make lots of money. But some of them do, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Patrick asks, and this is great because this is going to tie into something you're going to talk about, but Al, could you tell us about the night you performed at the old Olympic Lounge at Caesars on April 6, 1987? Yeah, that was an intriguing evening because it was the first of a series of performances that I did uh, before big fights. That was before the... Um, uh, Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard fight, which is having an anniversary coming up. And, uh, and we're going to be visiting with Brian uh, uh, Dugan, who is uh, the author of a book called Super Fight about that fight uh, on our next show. And, um, you know, that was an exciting evening for me because it was, it was, we did three nights leading up to the, that fight uh, that weekend in April. And, you know, there was a lot of publicity about me doing it. I had never done it in Las Vegas before, though I'd done some music in Chicago. And uh, the origin of it was the president of Caesar's Palace and I were having dinner uh, with a few other people. And previous to that, uh, um, McGuig Barry McGuigan's dad had, uh, who was a, a pub singer in Ireland, had done three nights at the Olympic Lounge leading up to Barry McGuigan's fight. And uh, and it was successful. It was a fun gathering place for all the people. And the president of Caesars looked at me and he said, don't you do music? I used to sit in with a lot of music people in Vegas and perform with them. He said, don't you do music? I said, yeah, I enjoy it. He said, well, you're going to do the three nights leading up to Leonard Hagler for us at the Olympic Lounge, just like Barry McGuigan's dad did. I said, oh, OK. Well, I didn't have an act. I didn't have anything. Uh, so I had like three and a half months to prepare for this. And uh, I did. I got myself, you know, a gentleman to produce the shows and everything. And um, and I did that night. It was uh, I did three nights, actually. And uh, it was daunting to come out on stage and look out at the people in the audience because everybody was there for that fight. It was a who's who of, you know, people. I mean, this table over here, there's Gil Clancy and Tommy Hearns and Bob Arum. Over here is Victor French and uh, Michael Landon from that show that, you know, uh, that they were on. Here's John Madden and a bunch of people over here. And it was just a, a you know, a star-studded group. And I'm walking out for the first song and I'm thinking, what did I get myself into here? You know, <laughs> but uh, it worked out well. And I did the three nights and then we uh, we did. I, I subsequently I did a number of other uh, engagements there as well uh, before the big fights because it was it was fun. So, yeah. Did you wear a tux? I did wear a tux. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I did. Yeah, because it was kind of the, the fashion of uh, the big fights. So I, I did wear a tux for it, which is interesting. I probably, you know, very seldom have I worn tuxes performing, actually, even though I wore them a lot for, for shows. So anyway, that was a, a fun evening for me. It was nice of that gentleman to ask, ask about it. And uh, it was a memorable weekend. And as I said, we're going to be visiting with uh, Brian Dugan, who wrote this uh, great book about those fights. Now, um, we want to mention to you that uh, one of our partners, uh, Tom Yankello, who's got his fine world-class uh, boxing channel on YouTube, uh, that channel is a great watch. Uh, you'll see great videos that tell you about the sport. Not only, uh, they're not only informational and uh, teaching items for amateur fighters, uh, but they also tell you a lot overall about how different styles of fighters have fought. And uh, you'll learn something by going to take a look at that. 
uh, at that channel. Well, I mentioned Brian Dugan's going to be with us, uh, and we're also going to have uh, Ben Askren on in our next show, who is uh, fighting also on April 17th on that Triller Fight Club card. He's the uh, former mixed martial artist who is fighting Jake Paul, the the uh, the shy and retiring Jake Paul, <laughs> who I encountered <laughs> when I hosted the press conference for Triller Fight Club. And that was intriguing, to say the least. That was an intriguing experience. So we're going to be visiting with them on our next show. Uh, Trip, I appreciate it as always. Glad you're back from vacation. And thanks again for the jet. Uh, do we ha want to have a contest where some of our readers who maybe the next great question gets to use the Al Bernstein family jet sometime? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'll offer that up for sure. Yeah. Okay. If it's, if it's got to be a really good question, though. So, okay. All right. We thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks to Regis Progray for uh, being our guest. And we'll see you next time.